Hello, and welcome to the Natural Evolution Podcast, produced by Rebel Health Tribe. I'm Michael, and I'll be your host. Together, we will be hearing inspiring stories of healing and transformation, learning from some of the brightest minds in the world of functional medicine and holistic wellness, and exploring the world's best health-related products, services, tools, and resources. And we are live. I am excited for this one. Dr. Sanza, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Yes. Dr. Sanza Curtis is our guest today. And we have a lot of mutual friends. And Bree Weisselman is actually the one who introduced us. She's been on the podcast. Our audience knows her. But we have not had a conversation before like this. So I'm excited to to learn about you and what you do and, and see where it goes. And you are set up just outside Atlanta at your practice. And before we jump in, I'm just going to do a little bit of an intro and then and then we can get right to it. So uh, Dr. Sanza Curtis grew up in Germany with a grandmother who was an herbalist who passed down family remedies. She's a physician assistant and a naturopathic doctor certified in functional medicine through the Institute for Functional Medicine and founded 3D Wellness in 2011. A plus on the naming on that. I think that's pretty slick. Uh, Dr. Sanza enjoys helping people heal their guts and reverse their autoimmune disorders. She's married mother of four and grandmother of four. And she also loves to travel and do medical missionary work. I am curious about two, well, everything, but two things in there. One, how grew up in Germany? How were you born there? And then how long did you live there for? Well, my dad was in the military. So I first trip, I was probably around four or five. And then we did three tours. So nine out of the 18 years, I grew up in Germany by being a military soldier. I was actually in Berlin when the wall was up. So that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Were you there when it came down or you were there in the 80s when it was up? No, I was just there early 70s when it was up. Early 70s? Yeah. Wow, what a what a... And how young were you? Uh, I was in the seventh grade. So what's that? 13. Yeah. 13. That's old enough to understand. Yeah. 13, 14. And I left. But it was crazy because the Americans could only go through East Berlin at night. So my dad was in special forces. And so they told us if anything happened at school, they would pick us up in an unmarked car. We, we'd, we would be separated from our parents. And so we had to go through these drills every month. Wow. So, so the war in Ukraine kind of, I didn't even realize I had a little bit of PTSD when I saw what was going on there. Because going through East, you, they'd show you how they just came in and just separated you know, the city in the middle of the night. So it was, it was interesting. Uh-huh. That's that's pretty intense. Uh, my first I, my my first career actually, I was a teacher. I taught history. My first degrees in history, and I've wow. read quite a bit about that time. And I've actually talked to a couple people who were there, but I've not. I I can't. That's like an environment that nobody that grew up in the U.S. could possibly relate to in any sort of real way. But you had a so you were back and forth the rest of the time you were in the states, or were you like all over? All over. We're in Arizona, uh, Virginia. Uh, pretty much that was at era in okay. Virginia, Arizona, in Germany. But your grandmother, who was a herbalist, was in the States, right? Yes. Yeah, she was actually in a small town right outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. If you okay. missed this, if you missed the turn, 
you miss the town. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I kind of live in one of those now. Um, and I went to college in one, so I get that. So herbalist. And so that got you kind of interested in those type of things when you were young or did it just, is it a happenstance or coincidence that she was an herbalist and you became a naturopathic doctor? Well, it's interesting because as a kid, I didn't know what the heck was going on, right? So yeah. I just remember my grandmother would always line us up uh, spring and summer and give us this detox with Epsom salt, lemon water, and she only had one bathroom. So we were clenching our cheeks waiting for the other one to come out the bathroom. But if you coughed, she would make up these nasty remedies and, oh, Sadie could make up some nasty remedies. Um, they were like, oh, <laughs> but so many herbal remedies, though, are bitter, bitter and sour tasting. So she probably knew what she was doing. Oh, yeah. As a kid, yeah. you don't want to drink it. <laughs> I know it, it was just it was it was disgusting. But, you know, I know that whatever she gave you, it worked, you know, so I had no idea, did not understand the richness of that until I went back to school to become a naturopath. And I was like, wow. I remember my grandmother using this. I remember my grandmother using this. So she had a, she made a tincture at the time. I didn't know what it was, but it was a old whiskey bottle that she had all different kind of herbs, barks and herbs in there. And my aunt still has it to this day. And she would just pour whiskey in it and put it underneath her bed because it was clear, but she understood it had to be underneath the bed. Uh, I mean, get out of the sunlight. And she would give us a teaspoon of that. And if you had cramps, menstrual cramps, if you had a cold, she would give that to you and you would sweat, literally sweat. The bed would be soaking wet. But when you woke up, you were fine. It's interesting because, I mean, I don't, I I actually don't know the history of like naturopathic medicine in in the States or like in general or how how far back it goes, but it's it's people like her from from like those generations of carrying on like the traditional herbalism that probably what gave naturopathic medicine its its start i would guess i mean that's what it's based off of is the traditional traditional healing so it runs in the family even if you didn't know it at the time because it looks like you physician assistant is more in the conventional medical space so it looks like that was your route first did you want to be a doctor when you were growing up or how did that come about I did. And then life happened. I was uh, had a lot of uh, issues as growing up as a child, suffered multiple episodes of sexual abuse, became pregnant at the age, promiscuous, and then became pregnant at the age of 18. So I thought, oh, my life is over. What am I going to do? And I was actually in college the time I got pregnant. And so dropped out, went back after married a and then uh, had two kids, went, uh, was divorced, went back to school and finished my PA degree because at that point I figured uh, PA, MD, I had two kids. I had to support them. So I went back to be a PA. And then after practicing for years, probably about five or six years, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Everybody just wants a pill to fix me up. Nobody wants to do anything. And I wasn't raised that way because we didn't go to the doctor my dad was in the military, but heck, if we went to the military doctor, you had to wait two or three hours. I'd be dead by then. So we just did remedies. So that's when I really just start diving deeper. And I had some of my own medical issues. Hypertension was one. And I just, my dad died of age of 50 with a massive heart attack. 
and I was just like, I'm, I can't go down that road. And so that's when I start pursuing other things. And then I loved, you know, the naturopath. And then I pursued that and then came full circle and found out that was my, that's what my grandmother was doing. Wow. That's, that's a really interesting arc and a lot of rough stuff in there too. And I'm, I'm really sorry about some of that, that you shared there. And I had a son at 18 as well. So I get the feeling of my life is over. What am I going to do? How do I handle this? And it was, people are like, oh, is that really fun? And I was like, I, no. <laughs> it was something. And now he's, he's 20, he'll be 23 in May. And people wow. are like, you have a kid that's 23, but I'm 41. So if you do the math, that's where it came out. And so I can relate to being a really young parent, like, cause you're a child at 18. Like now that when I look at an 18 year old, I'm like, that's a, that's a kid. So everybody does the best they can. And it's, it's really cool that you made it to PA is no joke. Like if people out there don't know what a PA is, that's like just short of MD as far as amount of schooling goes. It's kind of like nurse practitioner, probably level of years of time and, and all of that. So you, and you can, you can practice as a PA as your own practice, right? Yes, you just have to have a supervising physician. So yeah, it okay. was brutal because you go 28 months straight, no, maybe two weeks for Christmas, if that, and then you're, you're, you're brutal. And most of the classes were right with the physicians. And so it was just kind of uh, med school on steroids. Yeah. Wow. That's whew. okay. Now, the other thing I want to ask about before we get into the gut is medical missionary work. And what is that? Oh, wow. So 2005, I went to South Africa. Unbeknownst to me, I was just going for a medical mission. And so I looked at my mission leader and he, I said, well, we're doing medical mission. Well, I had all the stuff together because I was going to go over there for somebody else to do. But I said, who's the leader? He said, look in the mirror. And I was like, what the heck? I, got, I had to lead the whole medical team. And I remember second I got there the first day, I turned everything that to the pastor's wife, and we actually had clinic out of her living room, and her garage was the waiting room. And when I went back the next so this day- this is going to provide medical service for right. like really underdeveloped places and, and people who don't have access? Not, no access at all. Or if the access that they did have was very little. I mean- you know, so there's organizations and, that this is done through. Yes. That, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Cool. So I went. I went through Life Ministries, and so it was good. It was, it was through my current church, and so it was just a great experience. I was at the time I was a PA doing ENT, and I had to deliver two babies. Well, I delivered a placenta and a baby while I was there. So, so that was okay. fun. I had the ladies come and they were doing their COSA language and I had no idea what they were saying. And she grabbed the bag and we went running and this young lady had walked seven miles in labor, seven miles in labor. And so when I got there, they had delivered the baby. They had chewed the umbilical cord and tied it, but the placenta was still there. So I'm in South Africa on the side of a dirt hilly road having going having to go after an inherited placenta and it was as an ENT physician's <laughs> assistant yes your nose throat for people that don't know medical terminology that's that's the wrong places <laughs> yes it was the wrong <laughs> so, head that's, 
<laughs> but then but then you ended up you you now you enjoy it like it says that that's what you enjoy doing yes. or choose to do so obviously this experience was like overwhelming and a little terrifying but it was probably also really fascinating and interesting and rewarding very rewarding i mean i came back and it was just people were just wanting to not i don't know i didn't have the patience like you were saying having the patience for people in the in the us they have we don't understand how well we have it when we got to the clinic there was nothing but RNs there. And so they asked me, did I get everything? I was like, I don't know, check her, you know, but that was it. They didn't go in. They didn't do anything. They sent her home. She ripped. There was, you know, no episiotomy. That's go home, have a nice life, vaccinated the baby, feces all in the baby, everything. And I'm like, don't you want to clean it up? And they're like, no, this is what we do here. So it really made me appreciate the, really the, the training that I had. And just the medical system. I know we complain about our current medical system, but compared to other countries, it is phenomenal. Interesting. That's. I'd love to have another chat sometime where maybe we just talk stories from your medical missionary work. I think that'd be really fun. And I think that that level of perspective is important for people to to get that they don't hear often. And it, it really often shifts their own, how they see their own situation and, and what we deal with. So I know in the functional medicine space, the conventional medical world tends to get thrown under the bus quite a bit. And I'm married to an emergency nurse. So I know a lot of friends and and both sides, I'll say, like I have friends that are in the conventional side and I, there's definitely room and a place for both. And emergency is where conventional medicine really shines, I think. Uh, and then I just like to see them play better together is where I would like to see things head. And there's more and more MDs and and people from the conventional side I'm seeing going through IFM and doing the training. So it's encouraging. Now let's, let's talk a little bit about your practice now, 3D wellness. Does the D, is there three Ds? Do the Ds stand for something? Three dimension of wellness, mind, body, and spirit. And plus I had three degrees. So that's why I went with that one. (laughs) Clever. All right. So... We're going to talk about gut health today. Our audience enjoys gut health quite a bit and, and learning about it and talking about it. And I'm curious, those are your two primary focus that you that you like to, to focus on is gut health and autoimmune disease. And in a lot of ways, those are kind of the same thing or linked strongly. Uh, we've done a lot of stuff over here where people highlight, you know, the connections between, you know, leaky gut or different issues in the gut and systemic inflammation and autoimmune conditions and things like that. So I guess your your patient base then and the, and the people who come to you and learn from you, they're either dealing with some sort of GI symptoms a lot of the time or gut health issues or autoimmune disease. And does the average person, like, do the people who come to you, do they know like, hey, these two things are related or is it like, these are totally unrelated? Oh, really? That can be connected to this? Or like, where, where are you usually starting off with people where you're educating them on this? Well, I use this, take a very in, intense history and then then you know, the timeline. And then with that, I kind of go back over that with them. And I kind of just give them my interpretation. Like I'm looking at this, I think, you know, sleep is your background, you know, the, the kind of one of the root causes of your issues along with your gut. And then I also go over and I have a copywritten infographics that I always go over it with them, showing them the gut brain connection. So you may be suffering from headaches, uh, you know, autoimmune, acne, all these other things, but the root cause is your gut, you know? And how I really got into it 
my oldest daughter, you know, we all have a story, right? How we got started. So my (laughs) my oldest daughter was pregnant with my first grandchild. And previous to that, probably about the 18, the one I had when I was 18 months, 18 years old, previous to that, she had had multiple, just kind of mystery symptoms. She had oral allergy syndrome. She had panic attacks. She just had a lot of other things that we just couldn't put our finger on. And when she got pregnant, I'm like, okay, I knew how important the thyroid was, you know, for developing fetus. So we checked her thyroid. And unbeknownst to us, we found out that she had antibodies. So now she's Hashimoto's. Well, I'm not her OB. I can't do anything about it. And so we just started with diet and taking out gluten and dairy. And she fought me. She's like, mom, you don't know what you're talking about. But then the oral allergy syndrome went away. And then all of her symptoms got better. And so then I start diving deeper. And that's how I got with working with the autoimmune and, and gut because of my own experience. And now she's fine. She's not on any medication. She's had her second child and she's doing well. So, you know, I use my daughter's story a lot because I do a lot of Hashimoto's, but then at the root cause she had Epstein-Barr and that was just driving her antibodies crazy. So that's another reason I love, you know, the autoimmune, but the gut is like, I mean, we all know the gut's a second brain. All the crazy things that they're doing with sequencing the gut microbiome is fascinating, you know, and I think that, Mm. you know, finding diseases, early detection with bacteria like Klebsiella pneumoniae with correlation with ankylospondylosis, it's like, wow. So if you have somebody that doesn't have the diagnosis of ankylospondylosis and they have overgrowth of Klebsiella, it's like, okay, well, let's eradicate that. So you don't get ankylospondylosis. So that's the fascinating part. I try to explain it to them and, you know, how important even simple stuff like digestion, you know, sometimes we can't see the, the forest for the trees. And so it's like simple digestion, chewing your food, making sure you're doing mindful eating. You yeah. know? I love people, we talk about this a lot. Like a lot of my guests come on and they talk about how And this was, I haven't worked one-on-one with clients in like five years. I did some functional health coaching. I ran some labs. I went through an FDN program. I studied with a lot of the people at IFM. I just can't get the certs because I'm not licensed, but people would come to me and they'd want to do all this like super complex stuff. They want the protocols, the lab tests, the supplement regimens, all these things. And then I would ask them some simple questions about like where they eat their food or how they eat it or when they eat it or what time do they go to sleep or what's their stress level like, or what's their home life like, or what, how often do they go outside? These are all like (laughs) really, really, really basic fundamental things. And that stuff would be all over the place. But Michael, I don't want to like (laughs) $2,000 in lab tests. (laughs) I don't want to hear that. Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You can run a whole bunch of lab tests for me to tell you the same stuff to do. (laughs) Like it's, and it is, it's, it's, yeah, it's so simple. And I love that it gets repeated a lot. Like the, I think there was a, a trend for a little while where the practitioners, a lot of them were, were bought into that too, that like the more lab tests and the more this and the more this and the more complex ways to treat these things. And let's look at the biochemistry and the genetics and the supplement. And I think that, that the simplicity of a lot of it got completely overlooked and If you're dealing with somebody who is up till two in the morning, has really high stress levels, is eaten in the car, doesn't chew their food, doesn't eat, like is eating, you know, sugary stuff that the blood sugar spikes and all that, or they're 
they're not getting outside at all. Like if you're working with from that foundation, what are those labs and those supplements and all that stuff? You know, it's an uphill, it's an uphill battle. <laughs> so what are, what are some, I want to stay there for a second. You mentioned chewing your food, mm-hmm. which seems like something you would have to teach a toddler, but I'm guilty of this if I'm not. And you mentioned mindful, mindful eating. I was someone until I started to be really paying attention that I would like plow through my food in like two seconds and chew it twice and swallow it. You talk about like, what's the consequence of that? Or what, why, why do you want to be more mindful or slow down when you're eating? Well, digest. Sorry for the I, rant. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's almost like, you know, and I, I'm an analogy princess, so I love analogies, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I always tell patients, you know, when you eat, the food goes into your stomach, your stomach starts making the, you know, the enzymes and all that to break the food down. But if it's not broken down to either smaller, so it can break it down, or you don't have enough gastric acid, that food just sits there. So you get the distension and the gas and the bloating. And then when it dumps it into the small intestines, I said, it's like peanut butter. If it's fully digested, it's creamy. If it's partly digested, it's crunchy. How are you going to extrapolate those nutrients for your recommended daily allowance? And you don't have the food that's broken down to the proper, proper source so you can extrapolate that, right? And so sometimes it's simple. People want to go and they want to do, like you said, all these tests. These tests are going to tell me you got leaky gut. Duh. You want to pay all this money to tell me you got leaky gut when your history is telling me that? So digestion is, is key to getting the nutrients down. So it's like, for instance, you get a Vitamix, right? You're making a smoothie and you put spinach in there. Well, if you don't completely spin, I mean, do the full cycle, you have chunks of spinach. It's going to be nasty, right? You're not going to want to get, eat that. What's the same thing with your gut? You know, if you're, if it's not broken down to its proper form, it's kind when it gets into the small intestines and then it's like thick paint. But if it's, if your microvilli cannot absorb it, I call that the bounty picker up or that's where it gets all the absorption starts. And then the base of the enterocyte, I call that the factory. That's where it's broken down. Then it goes to the lamina propria. Then it goes to the bloodstream. Well, if it doesn't go that proper way, then how are we going to recommend a daily allowance of nutrients? So half of it's stuck up there, then that's when we start causing issues within the small intestine, small intestinal bowel overgrowth and all, you know, just and something other than you gets to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you get all the macrophages and you got inflammation and I'm an old bird. So I said, you know, in the fifties, we used to watch Will Robinson where it's like danger, danger, Will Robinson. So it's the body cell danger response that really starts that whole inflammatory inflammation cascade and it starts in the gut. Which starts in the mouth. And so it's yeah, really it simple, yep. like simple things about, yeah. And the mindful eating, can you speak to that just a little bit? Like, what do you mean by mindfulness or mindful during your meals? Just chewing your food, literally sitting down and chewing the food. Most of the times we chew our food, we overeat. If we don't chew it completely, then we're just stuffing, stuffing, stuffing. It takes about 10 minutes for the brain to really realize, okay, you're full. But if you're swallowing and just guzzling your food or you're watching TV and just not even paying attention to what you're doing, it's the main reason we overeat. So chewing your food 30 to 40 times, I know that sounds really ridiculous crazy, but just chewing it and then being present with your food. I know there's times I do a little ritual with my food and I try to just close my eyes. And sometimes I'm like, what am I eating? You know, let me really 
I know I'm eating a green bean, but what about this green bean? Is it crunchy? You know, mm-hmm. you know, is, does it like bringing the awareness to like yeah. the full experience of, of the food. And I, that almost feels like a, like a gratitude opportunity as well. Like that's, there's a, then there's more of a, an emotional or spiritual aspect to the eating Yes, because it's, you know, this it's, yeah, it's not something you're also doing. <laughs> you're being like eating, yeah, you want to be yeah, eating, <laughs> eating seems to be something we are like also doing while we're watching something or doing something or cooking something or driving somewhere or whatever. And so it brings the eating to be the thing that you are doing and that you're focusing on, on that. And there's, there's research that shows just doing that increases saliva production. It increases stomach acid. It starts the, the thing because your body knows that you're eating. Mm-hmm. Go figure. <laughs> and so, oh, that's, that's really, that's a good, I want to make a note to myself to, to try to do that more often. I, I grew up eating in front of the TV and kind of by myself too. And so that's like a place that feels really comfortable to me mm-hmm. to like grab some food and sit in front of watch something or whatever. And I noticed that I will eat way more when I'm doing that. Cause you mentioned like a 10 minute something there. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, like that doesn't happen when you're engaged. And that's why somebody can go to a movie, right? And they can get that popcorn that's like half the size of their body. <laughs> if you had to sit there and you were in a room and you weren't watching a movie and someone was like, here, eat all this popcorn. You wouldn't eat it. No way. You would get <laughs> sick. Like, well, you'll still get sick, but no way could you actually eat it like one bite at a time, paying attention to the popcorn. But if you're zoned in on that movie and there's the salty taste in your mouth and your hands just going. You can see a whole theater full of people plow through that that giant popcorn. So I've never really thought about it as much as that, though. That the distraction mm-hmm. eliminates that, like, okay, you're full. It's time to stop eating because you're eating so fast. If you eat slower, your full response because it lags a little, right, behind yes. the eating. Mm-hmm. It does and so we just have to be mindful of that. I mean, and not only that, you know, most I deal with a lot of professional women. And either, you know, they're eating at their desk, you know, running down the hall, you know, hey, I used to do it, taking care of patients, used to see 33 Mm -hmm. patients a day. So, you know, your, yeah, so your lunch hour was like, you know, or driving in Atlanta, we drive from one location Mm -hmm. to another location, and then you're eating in your car. And that's when I started to gain weight is when I started doing the commute. But actually, a study is showing that the longer the commute, the increase that you have in obesity, just in the commute alone. Because what do we do in our commute? We, sit. like you said, that mindful, mindless eating. Sit and eat. Yeah. Sit and eat. A drink. Wow. Or that's the other one. Yeah. You yeah. Know, we, we yeah. Big gulps and you see people drinking out of those. And we don't even think about how many calories that we consume that way. So. No. And it's incredible how big they've gotten. I haven't drank that stuff in a really long time. Like I did growing up, I went to the seven elevens and I drank that. I never was a huge soda person, but I would get like Slurpees and stuff like that. But it seems that like every five years, the size of those gets like exponentially larger. And now they're like things you have to carry with two hands, which are probably enough calories for an individual to exist off of for a week. And it's in a thing. That's something I noticed moving here to Italy is they don't have that. Mm-mm. Like there's yeah. not like fountain drink convenience store type of, they'll sell soda, but it'll be in like glass bottles and the ingredients. Most of it are like 
real things. Three or four things, and, not not yeah, 12. Yeah, three or four <laughs> things, not 29 things and like 16 forms of sugar and whatever. And like if it's ginger soda, there's actual ginger as an ingredient, like things like that. But um, yeah, it's an incredible amount. And they'll plow through it while they're working every day. You drink one of those every day, you're like, that's fast track to diabetes right there, especially if you're sitting the whole time. Yes. So that makes sense because the longer you're in a commute, the shorter you're going to be doing anything else, which would involve moving, moving potentially. Yeah. So, I'd like to briefly interrupt this conversation to let everyone know that we've got a free downloadable Foundations of Wellness Starter Kit that's available for you right now over at www.rebelhealthtribe.com backslash foundations if you'd like a little help organizing and implementing all your learning from this podcast. A gift from our team over at Rebel Health Tribe, producers of this show. And now back to your episode. That's that's interesting. So what I, I love to see some of these like we need to get complex people might listen to this conversation and kind of brush it off. But I think these like really basic fundamental things that like shift perspective on how we're living our life and then how our health then resembles mm-hmm. that. Do you got any other favorite? And then the analogies are awesome, by the way, the metaphors, nice work. Thank you. Cause the explaining the layers of the gut and the different physiology of it, people can glaze over really quick, but all those things are easy to understand. So any other like really basic, simple things that you find yourself often repeating or that you see people who miss the boat on a lot that, they're not doing that they should be or that they are doing that they shouldn't? Well, I think for the aha moment for people to go to, like you were asking, do they ever ask you like, why the gut, you know? And, and I explained to them like, okay, if you have a, that's the foundation. If you don't have a solid foundation, I don't care what you're going to do. The house is going to crash. So that's where I start. That doesn't mean that's where I end. Okay. Because if I give you supplements or you're taking medication and you're not absorbing them, then how much is that really getting through? So that's, in the, and that's when the aha moment comes in. And I said, oh, because once those tight junctures are, you know, and they hold those, in, those cells in the gut together, once they're compromised and they're open and, and they're gone, then that's when all the stuff gets in and that's when the inflammation, and then that's when disease starts, food sensitivities and different things of that nature start. So just simple things I have patients do. I don't start really with AIP, you know, elimination diet, because most of my patients, they come in on the standard American diet. Very few come in otherwise. I take them gluten, dairy, and sugar. I'm like, if you can take three things out of your diet and take three supplements, hence 3D wellness, Okay, (laughs) but three things out of your diet and three supplements, then we can go to the next level. But if you walk out of here with, you know, tons of supplements, you're going to and I tell you scary, scary, scare you with all these things that you can't take. I like to empower my patients with not giving you a fish, but teaching you to fish. So I'm giving you like these are the framework. Now you can be the creator and you can design what you want, how you want it, but just take the bad stuff out of it. And then they feel empowered. And then they come back and they said, oh, it wasn't really that hard. And I'm like, yes, but when that resistance. And so that's the biggest thing that I find with, with working with functional medicine people, you have to change your mindset. You can do all this crazy stuff out there that you want to do. 
But if you don't change your mindset in the beginning, you're stuck. Like I have a patient right now. She literally is 77 pounds and she takes 60 supplements. She is attached to her supplements. I, every time I take one away, she reads, she goes to a summit, she reads something else and she adds five more. Now she's got a lot of psychosocial issues that, you know, abuse as a child. So I really can't get anywhere with her. I don't care how, how much gut I can talk to her. She needs to see a therapist. So that's another reason why mind-body medicine is when to understand I am working outside of my element and it's time to give it to somebody else. And that's what I find a lot of times with functional medicine practitioners. We have to know when to pass it on to refer. And this is way she needs to see a psychiatrist. I can't do anything for her. So gut, you know, there's nine pathways from the gut to the brain. That's one pathway from the brain to the gut. So it's important to keep all those things in check. And there's psychoneuroimmunology. So yes, it can start here, manifest here, and then, or starts here, uh, goes here, and then manifests throughout your whole entire body. So, you know, gut health to me is, you know, it's the second brain. It's where I start. It's the foundation. And, you know, not unless they have like acute, you know, something else going on, that's where I always start. I love the, the simplicity of, you know, take these three things out, take three supplements. It, it allows somebody to have an easier win at the beginning. And it, it took me a while to learn to dial things back a little bit. When I first started learning all this stuff, I would do my consult with the person and I would be like, you need to do these 117 things and take these 11 supplements and cut out all these foods. And then you need to work out twice a day and you need to go do this thing. And then you'll be awesome. If you do all this, you'll be fine. And then I actually had one client ever out of all my clients I've ever had. I had one client ever who actually did <laughs> all the things that I wanted her to do. And she did great. And she stuck to them. Wow. That's it. One. And I know what it's like to like try to start too many things and then fail them and then be like, well, I'm just going to not do any of these things. And I'm, I stuck. Mm-hmm. And that than like compounds. Yeah. So I love the the small win and the easier steps. And you mentioned the, you know, the the patient that you you mentioned is taking 60 supplements and weighs 77 pounds and that that, that person needs, you know, mental emotional support and they need probably some trauma work and, and things like that. I've actually spent the last three over three years now creating a second platform to this one that's focused entirely on mental, emotional, spiritual, energetic trauma type things, because that's where my attention turned. And that's where my own journey went. And then I was like, something like this needs to exist. And we're actually trying to create referral system program for health practitioners to use the platform to help their people find what it is their jam when it comes to that. Because there's not like one modality over there either that's like perfect for everybody. And so we're actually trying to create like an AI type of system that can help people find like, is it hypnotherapy or is it this trauma therapy or is it somatic therapy or is it meditation or is it like a religious-based thing? And so I'm working on creating that because I think that's the elephant in the room when it comes to functional medicine is that your work can only go so far with people if they're not in the place to yeah, to that's because like, that, yeah, that's amazing, Michael. Because it is so needed. I mean, when you sit down, and you start doing the timeline, and you the trauma that goes, you know, these people are going 
through or they've been through. And you're right. just like, how are you still surviving? No wonder you have gut issues. I mean, yeah. a, lo- a lot of the gut issues are really stem from s- sexual abuse. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's like, you know, in vaginal issues, or I mean, they're all from sexual abuse. And so as functional medicine practitioners, we are not equipped, you know, we are not mm-hmm. equipped to handle sure. those things. It's just when this ship goes out and then having that person really understanding I have a problem, you know, and that's what we yeah. focus on too, is not only just eating and movement, but, you know, emotional and spiritual mindfulness healing. And so I have a group of people in the Metro Atlanta area that I refer out to. Beautiful. And been using ketamine a lot, ketamine therapy. Mm-hmm. And that's been pretty exciting. I did it myself. It was awesome. So <laughs> I have to. It was really, it was, I've dealt, I, I don't usually get into this on every podcast episode, but I have life history of like really severe suicidal depression and anxiety, like things along various angles of that. And I've done some ketamine therapy and it was really, it was a needle mover. I'll say it that way. And I know some, I have some friends who are in that, that world that do that work now. And I think it's a, it's a, it's an interesting because the MDMA and the, so like some of those are going through phase three trials. I think, I think there'll be some interesting times ahead with what they're going to be capable of doing, but I love that you have a referral network and that you're not trying to be the everything for the individual. Cause I, I love the awareness that's going on in functional medicine now around trauma and around these things. Like it's a hot buzzword in the industry <laughs> where 10 years ago, like I remember the first time I saw somebody present on it at a conference, they presented the ACEs study and like the mm-hmm. increases in addiction and autoimmune diseases and this and this and this and this. And I was like, what? And then the presentation ended and then everybody just like got up and walked out of the room and went to do the other thing. And I'm like, where's everybody going? We need to know more about this. Like, why isn't anybody talking about this? Like the statistics are unbelievable. And I'm, I'm also adopted and I've learned statistics around adoptees too are, you know, eight times more likely for addiction and six times more likely for suicide and all these things. Like practitioners need to be informed of these things. Like mm-hmm. people need to know this. And when I found that out, I was like, why is everyone walking out of the room right now? But now there's, they're in the room yeah. and they're listening and they're paying attention. And I think there's just a divide between what their understanding is important and then what they are actually able to do about it. Because the functional doctor, be a doctor, be a really good doctor. Not a therapist. And then find really good people <laughs> that do the other thing. Because you can't, you can't, as much as somebody wants to, like you can't get super good at a whole bunch of different things. Like it takes a life of learning and of practice to get, you know, really skilled at things. And I see really well-intentioned people trying mm-hmm. to learn, like I'm going to now deal with trauma. And I'm also doing lab testing and I'm also doing functional medicine and I'm also going to do energy healing. And I'm all, and it's like, you're going to kind of learn to do a whole bunch of stuff and you're not going to do any of it very well, just because that's literally impossible. Yeah. So yeah. And it's, and that's the autoimmune work too, because it's autoimmune. When you really think about it, it's a lot of trauma issues and it's self-hate. So it's the, the things that are your tissue memory. And what really came to light for me was when I was 18, I was in school. I did not want a child. I can remember literally going to the abortion clinic, laying on the abortion table. And it was, it was like laying in the pits of hell. 
Okay. And they came up and they told me, they were like, you're too far along gone. You need more money. I'm like, I had to borrow, beg and steal. I was a college student. Where am I going to get more money from? At this time, you couldn't use on your insurance. So I said, God, if you get me off this table, I will never come back. And my daughter, she was born. She was great. She was spoiled, but she was born C-section. So all that resistance was like resistance in birth. And then it was mm-hmm. resistance. Then she had issues when she was, you know, she was ill. So all of that is also going back to that trauma where that preconception trauma that the parent went through that sometimes mm-hmm. we're aware of and sometimes we're really not. And I just happened to share that with her. And so to help her get through her hurdles, which I really think is, which was helped her heal or get me in remission for autoimmune disorders because she was aware of those things. And so just like you with the, you know, with the adoption, it gives kind of that rejection, like, okay, my parents didn't want me, you know, that type of thing. And so I just think it's fascinating that our, that our tissues have self-memory and self-hate, and we really don't even know the origin. So a lot of times, even when patients go to the therapist, they don't, they don't know. That's why the ketamine was just so fascinating. And I use, I don't know, I don't know if you heard of QNRT, quantum neuro retraining therapy. I think so, but I'm going to write it down just in case. Okay. So that sounds I, interesting. Yeah, I went, so it's kind of like retraining the brain a little bit. And so it's this really crazy thing. And I was with this therapist and I had issues with my mom because my father was actually the one that's initial sexual abuser. Um, and at the time it was it was irregular behavior, not to your child. Okay. But it was no, no, nothing bigger than that. And I didn't process it as was until I was like 27 years old. And so then when he finally got about 40, me and my mom had the conversation, but my mom figured, cause since we didn't have intercourse, it didn't happen to us. So we had a very strange relationship when my mother had multiple myeloma and thank God she thrived for 13 years with the help of, you know, what I was doing with her. But she died in 2020 and had not had gone through therapy before working with the QNRT, I would have been a mess because I would have had this guilt, all these things that I had, but she was able to pinpoint it. And it's really funny because I'm sitting there and as she kind of retraining the brain, you're kind of going like, you know, you're, you're, you're using all your senses. So she, you're winking, you're, you're doing all this stuff and she's retraining and she does it's if you look at it, you think this is really some hocus pocus crap. And I didn't believe it at first. But when I tell you, it was the best thing that happened to me other than the ketamine. And I have, I could probably pay it buy it three houses from what I paid in therapy in my life. And thank God it's worked, but it was I still was stuck. And that's where a lot of functional medicine patients were they're stuck. They're just like, I'm, I'm right there, but I can't. I can't get there. And Which is wanted, better than where I was, but it's yeah. not where I want to be. <laughs> yeah. They want Jonathan Wright. They want Amy Myers. They want, you know, mm-hmm. people come to me and they, I want, uh, you know, Mark Hyman. And I said, you know what? I treat based on your history and what you're going on, not your disease, but we have to meet you where you're at. I'm sorry. I went on a rant. <laughs> no, that was beautiful. And uh, I, I'm definitely going to check that out. And 
there's yeah i think there's a whole nother conversation we could have around some of the psycho-spiritual connections to disease and i get really excited because like right now my life and my work is really trying to pull the two sides together i have the one platform that's more functional medicine and i have one that's on the other side and just as much as the functional medicine people tend to be kind of naive when it comes to those things the people over there that are therapists and counselors and healer types they're pretty naive when it comes to the fact that like what their clients or patients are eating has an effect on their mental and emotional health or that like their lifestyle habits will impact how they feel and that the therapies they're doing will be more effective with certain aspects of like nutrition and functional medicine so it's like i'm trying to just mush everybody together and make them have idea babies kind of but i love hearing stories like this i think that that's that's really the depth of healing that needs to happen for a lot of these complex illnesses like why is everybody so allergic to mold now or reactive to mold why does everybody have this thing why are there all these infections why are there so many autoimmune diseases and like yes there's way more toxic crap that we're exposed to but yes. what makes us so susceptible to these things like why are we so non-resilient like wh or whatever the right word would be there the opposite of resilient like wh where's the resilience gone where has you know that and people don't realize how damaging those like emotional and mental and even physical like those traumas are and it doesn't go anywhere mm -mm. and oh like, it does it goes cultures to your gut. Have things for this <laughs> it goes to your gut it goes traditional to your cultures like like they have things for that like in almost every traditional culture there's there's ways that they dealt with these things and that these things would be processed and talked about in the open and done and there was ceremony and there was all these things and our culture just puts it in a little box and puts it in the corner and nobody talks about it and it's like shame if you bring it up and it's like then your little box gets passed on to the next one and their little box and they have your box and the other box and all the boxes and now we're seeing generations of that like for a whole bunch and i get excited every time i see somebody really doing the work because they're breaking it yeah. like the the lineage <laughs> of it so so what goes that's on cool. in this house stays in this house, right? That we were, that's what we yeah. were taught when we were yeah, a yeah, kid. Yeah, and if even that, even if it was even discussed in the house, like mm -hmm. a lot of times, I mean, I grew up, I went to like private school, Lutheran school. I was raised in church thing. Like you don't talk about nothing. You don't ask questions. You don't like, and it's, then you just learn that. And then you learn that it's not okay to say anything verbalize doing, it, yeah. like to stand up yeah verbalize anything or like what acknowledge it even like it just goes that goes away and or you so take the um, sins or you take the sins and the shame and you wear it and you think yeah. everybody you feel like you have this like billboard on your face mm -hmm. where it's like i am shame yeah. i am guilty yeah and yeah. a lot of people walk around with that and so Maybe your body I, hears that too mm -hmm. and i love like, i'm a little bit of an intuitive too so i love Sometimes I'll look at somebody and I'm like, you got to let go of the guilt. And they look at me like, what? You know, and I remember my weirdest thing is I told this lady, give your husband his balls back because you just, <laughs> you just got started, you. you know, because she was like, she was, I'm like, it's not him. You look in the mirror, you know? And so I think we just have to find that origin of what it is and find that and find that person and find that person that's right for that individual person. Because you can have two therapists and one can be better. And because they just yeah. reach that person. I'm fortunate there's a functional psychiatrist. There's actually two. And we have oh, an AIM, cool. AIMIN clinic here in, in Atlanta. So we're pretty fortunate in that way. And I work with 
Dr. Naveen Thomas, and he does ketamine. He is fabulous. And so we, we do that. He'll send patients to me like, you got to get your hormones, you got to get your thyroid right. You know, you have to get those things right in with conjunction of what I'm doing. And I'm not going to give you, you know, all this antidepressants and all that. So we're going to work together. And if you need to do that, then that's fine. Can I tell that's patients? Yeah, I don't brilliant. shoot. Yeah, I don't shoot on anybody. You know, that's the thing they teach us in yeah. functional medicine is meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. If we're going to shame them as practitioners, are we really doing our work? No, and that's just re, re, redoing the shame. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, nobody, nobody likes to be told what they have to do. It's what you can do. It's like yeah. a different reframing. So I know we're about out of time. I could talk to you for like another hour about some of this stuff. So we should probably schedule another chat to, okay. to get a little bit more into that side. I'd, I'd love to hear your your experiences with it too. Maybe actually I'll bring you over there because that platform, we're going to have podcasts and we're gonna, I'm going to be looking for people on the functional medicine side to kind of come over there and chat about like bridging the, yeah. the gap. And so I'll hit you up and we can we can chat over there on that. And where do, where do people go to find, I mean, we've talked about your, your 3D clinic. Where, what's your, where should people go on the web? We'll have the links below in the show notes for people that are like on the page and everything. But if somebody's just listening right now, where, where do they want to go to check out your practice and what you do and, and follow your work? So it's, uh, it's 3D wellness. The three is spelt out and D wellness. So it looks like 3D uh, wellness, or you can follow me on Instagram. It's doc, D-R- period, Sansa Curtis. And yeah, I'm coming out with a gut course coming up probably within the next 30 to 45 days. So if you follow me there, stay tuned there, it will drop. And it's just basic, you know, because basic stuff to just help you get started on your health healing journey, healing from within with the gut remedy. Very cool. And kudos to you for being able to keep up with Instagram. I, I fail at it all the time. So you want me to let you in a little secret? I hired somebody to show it. Actually, she's a good no, friend of mine. No. We're, 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 working on, we're working on doing something like that over here. But I've tried to do it. And I just, I can't, I can't, I can't even keep track of my own life, let alone handle the social media. So good on you. Go over there, Dr. Sonia Curtis, Sansa Curtis at Instagram. And then the website, 3D Wellness, 3 is spelled D Wellness. Check out the site. And thank you so much for, for sharing like so openly about so many things that, you know, don't often get talked about. And I think that it's really important for people to hear these conversations. So we thought we were going to talk about the basics of gut health. And we talked about like quantum neuro retraining and, and trauma therapy, but I think it's this beautiful share. And I just appreciate what you're doing in the world. And it was great to chat with you. Thank you. And you're doing a wonderful job. Thank you. And that wraps up another episode of the Natural Evolution Podcast. Thanks for listening, and please check out the links in the show notes below to learn more about our guests and grab your free downloadable Foundations of Wellness Starter Kit.